for Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. That was Isaiah chapter 38, verses 18 and 19. Hello, everybody. My name is Carl Krenzel, your host here today on The Learning Puritan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, what we're going to talk about in the next few episodes, really, are directions for a peaceful death. Directions for a peaceful death. Now, I wanted to start the Learning Puritan podcast with this particular topic because I know there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who've had to face a lot of difficult choices and a lot of difficult decisions and and really have had to come face to face with some hard truths these last few years. And it's my belief that the Puritans had a lot of important things to say to us today And as I read through some of the Puritan writings, I find myself more and more convinced that our generation is just not as wise as we think we are. Oh, sure, the Puritans only lived to be about 35 or 40 years old, and and, and many times they didn't have a lot of the things that we would consider modern medicine, things like painkillers, antiseptics. I mean, they lived a very difficult life. As a matter of fact, half their children died before they were ever come to a mature age. And, and, and it's really difficult to think about your life being cut short at 35, 40, 45 years old, half of your children dying before they become 18. It's a very difficult life. And the Puritans faced this with bravery and a lot of courage and a lot of understanding of what it really meant to die well. And what I'd like to go through with you in the next few podcasts are some directions for a peaceful death that was written by a Puritan by the name of Richard Baxter. Now, he was born in 1615. He lived all the way to 1691, if you can imagine it. That's quite a long lifespan for someone back then. And if you'd like to read along with me, I'm reading this from the Digital Puritan, which you can find online on Amazon. I'm not gonna, I'll leave a link for it in the podcast uh, show notes for you. I don't make any money off that or anything like that. It's just $2.99 for the Digital Puritan on Amazon, and it's well worth your time if you've got a Kindle so you can read what I'm reading and learn these truths as I'm learning, and hopefully you'll pick up some stuff maybe that I missed. So let's go through it together today. Let's begin with the very first direction. Now, I'll be honest with you up front, okay? Some of these directions will be a little longer than others. This one is one of them. This one's going to be a little bit longer than the other podcasts. So keep in mind that the other podcasts will be shorter in some degree, but this initial one, just to kind of get the ball rolling, is going to be a little bit longer. So let's go ahead and start in to the introduction of Directions for a Peaceful Death, written by Richard Baxter. Uh, back in the 1600s. Now, in his mindset, he wrote down, comfort is not only only desirable as it pleases us, but it also strengthens us and it helps us in general. 
And when we're, we're, when we're trying to go out and do our regular life and do our regular things, it's good to have someone to come alongside you and comfort you and help you and encourage you and strengthen you. And how much more did Richard Baxter think that you would need this sort of comfort when you're dying, when you're sick? And when, when you're sick and when you're ill and when you're dying and potentially facing life in the hereafter, you really need to have some comfort. And he wrote, how much more needful is it to make directions for ourselves to make our final departure comfortable or peaceful at the very least and safe? Because when you think about it, if you're a Christian like I am, you understand that this world is just a temporary thing. We're just passing through. And so your life into being with God, that transition from death unto life everlasting, is many times for many people very scary. And so he, as a, as a pastor of his time, felt it was important for, for people to learn how to approach the subject of death and how to approach it with courage and peace and, and, and if nothing else, to approach it with a, an element of safety. And if you've ever seen someone die violently or unpeacefully, you know exactly what I mean when I say how important it is to die peacefully and safely if possible. So let's go into the first direction that he wrote. Direction one, I'll just summarize it. He says, because I would make this treaty no longer than I must, in order to overcome the fear of death, and to get a cheerful willingness to die, I desire the sick to read over these considerations and the, the considerations I've laid in my book called Self-Denial. Now, I've went ahead and read Self-Denial for you. Uh, it is quite a large book, uh, but I've summarized the things that he put down, the directions in his book called Self-Denial. And this is direction one. In his, in his opinion, the first thing you needed to do to prepare for death is to go ahead and go through the, the steps for, for, for self-denial. And he laid down several steps, and I'll just lay them down for you. If you've got a pen, you want to take some notes, I'll, I'll, I'll enumerate them for you. Point number one for self-denial, he said, set faith a work upon the promises of God and everlasting life. Right? You want to set your faith not upon you, not upon your situation, not upon what things feel like, but on the promises of God and everlasting life. Second, he said, never be deluded to forget the vanity, the brevity, the emptiness and insufficiency of all earthly things. I mean, think about it, right? Think about your life and where you are in it. How vain is everything around you? You figure somebody's Instagram post needed to get taken down because they looked too fat or, or somebody needed to, to make a YouTube rage video because they were upset at somebody got angry about politicians or something. When you think about all the brevity, the emptiness, the insufficiency of all of life, how quickly do we get deluded into thinking that that's all this is? Point number three, consider frequently and seriously who God is. 
And to what end he made, redeemed, sustains, and governs the world. I mean, when you look on all of your creation outside your window, wherever you are right now, when you look at all the creation around you, you have to honestly sit and think to yourself, you know, who is God? Who is God that if he can create all of this, redeem all of the elect, sustain you with food and water and and a place to live, and and he governs the world so that not a sparrow falls without his say-so. And then think about this. Can you, right? Can you frustrate and neglect his work? Would his work be neglected and frustrated by you? Because you don't want to die. God forbid. I mean, you know, he wrote down, God forbid, give to God what is God's. It is folly that men should prefer themselves before him. And isn't that really what it is? When you think about all the things that you do that you think are better than what God has planned for you, isn't it really just a slap in the face to him saying that you know better? Isn't that really what it is? Let's continue. Point number four, it will further... He said, your self-denial to remember what you will get by selfishness. Oh, man, I feel that in my soul. I really do. I don't know about you, but when I think about all the selfish things I've done, oh, my goodness, it will further my self-denial to think about all the things that I get from my selfishness, right? I mean, God, he wrote down, God will. Okay, God will have his ends and honor out of you one way or the other. Right? Your selfishness makes you an idol to yourself. Well, let's just, I'm not trying to come down on anybody and I'm not trying to cast any stones any further than I can, you know, catch them. But let's just be honest with each other. My selfishness, the things that I want, makes me the God of my universe. Point number five, take a considerable survey of all the world and see but what self-seeking has already done and is still doing in it. When you think about looking at all the world and all the politics and all the positioning and jockeying for power and this person wants more money and that person wants less money, all these different things people want to fight and and contend over. When you think about what all the selfishness and self-seeking has already done to the world at large and is still going on in it, is selfishness really what you want? Isn't self-denial a much better path? Because you already see the clear results of selfishness. As you look past your own nose, as you look outside your door, you can see the results of selfishness. And maybe you don't even have to look outside your door. Maybe you're looking inside your home and you see the fights and the strife and the confusion and all the anger that goes on inside your own family. All the selfishness and self-seeking that it has already done and is still doing in it. Do you want more of that? Point number six, if you would promote self-denial, if you really want to get down and get dirty with self-denial, he said, 
Keep with you the continual feeling of your own unworthiness and insufficiency. God never made you to live upon or to yourselves without him or without the help of others. Now, what a refreshing look that is. You know, I don't know about you, but when I consider this, my initial reaction, my, my inner man, right? Says, oh, that's, 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 that's ridiculous. I can't believe that, right? I mean, feeling of my own unworthiness and insufficiency. Who are you talking about? It's me. I, <laughs> I, I'm perfect. I'm great. I'm, I'm just fine the way I am. But that's not the way God sees us. And that's just not being honest. I mean, when you look at the book of Romans, Paul tells us there is none good. No, not one. No, nobody, not one. No Pope. No Mother Teresa. No Jimmy uh, any Any evangelist. None of them. Nobody. There is none good. No, not one. And when you think about all the things that you are, you are saying that you are. You're saying, oh, I'm a great person. I'm not so bad. I'm okay. Well, you're just comparing yourself to other people, are you not? Oh, sure, you might not be as bad as the pedophile, or you might not be as, as lying as a politician, or perhaps you're not an adulterer, or God only knows whatever your particular sin is. But you are unworthy of Christ's blood. You are unworthy of eternal life. How can you, a sinful man or woman, spend eternity with a sinless, holy God? The entire problem, as someone much smarter than me put it, is that God is holy and you are not. God never made you to live upon or to yourself without him. Or without the help of others. God looked in the in the in, in the garden of Genesis, right? He said it's not good for a man to be alone. He created a woman to help him and to be with him and to be a help. It's not good for you to be alone. You gotta be with other people. You gotta share your experiences with others. You gotta share your community with others, your communion. You've got to be able to share your life. And that's what he was saying here. And you certainly have to share it with God. So don't be, self, uh, don't be selfish. Be willing to deny yourself, even thinking that you're not as good as you think you are. Point number seven. If you would live in self-denial, be sure that you keep the mastery of the senses. Right? Be sure you keep track and mastery of your senses. Ask not what's delightful or what is for your carnal ease and peace. Don't ask for any of those things, but ask for what's necessary to please the Lord and for your everlasting peace. Right? It, it, it's, it's better for you to go the hardest way possible to glory than the smoothest way to hell. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have, you know, a, a sumptuous life of 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 good, delicious food and fare here and then only to be carried away to hell by the angels when you die? Or would you rather be like, you know, uh, the, the poor man waiting outside where the dogs are licking on his sores? When you think about the possibilities of life, if you're going to die, 
I'd rather spend eternity with Jesus and, 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 and live with him wrapped in Christ, secured in God, than to spend a moment in hell just to have all of life's pleasures. Next, point number eight. To promote self-denial, understand the great advantage you have by the communion and society to which you enter by denying yourself. Understand, being a Christian is a great privilege. It's a great privilege. Not everybody gets to be a Christian. I know you might think that everybody can just choose to be a Christian, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the way is hard and there are few there be that find it. Jesus said that his sheep know his voice and they follow him and another they will not follow. They will run. If you want to make self-denial your thing, if you want to make self-denial what's pleasing to God, then you have to understand that by being in the church, by going to the, the, the assembly of believers, by participating in Holy Communion and sacrament, when you think about the things that you do in that society, Christ is the head of the church and the others are your brothers and sisters with Christ. And, and Jesus is the head and he's promised to provide for the body and is engaged in their security, and all the riches of grace are yours. Those are simply the promises of the Bible. And if you were to think about how short your life is on earth, understanding that Christ is the head of the body, he's going to take care of you and your physical needs, he's going to protect you and your body, he's going to carry, he's going to carry you all the way home, well, then all the riches of Christ are yours. Point number nine. Point number nine, we're almost through. Point number nine, to promote your self-denial. Remember, you're trying to grow the fruit of the Spirit. You're trying to deny the self. Why are you doing all this in the first place? I mean, let's just think about that. Why are you doing all this in the first place? Well, you're doing this to put to death the, the deeds of the body, the mortify the flesh, so you can so you can go ahead and, and be at one and peace with Christ and not... You know, not do the things that offend him, not do the things that hurt him, not do the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. You're trying to go ahead and live a life that Christ would want you to live as a servant of his, demonstrating your love for man and, and your respect for his law. If you're trying to do this, point number nine, to promote self-denial, study well the self-denying example of Christ and the servants that have trod his steps. You're not alone. I know it feels like you're the only person out there sometimes. I get it. And maybe you've been in a church recently that had to close its doors for one reason or another, and you felt extraordinarily alone. You know, a study of the self-denying Christ is one of the most helpful tools for self-denial. When you, when you look at how Christ emptied himself, he didn't feel that being God was something to be grasped onto, to be held onto tightly. When he, he didn't feel as though he had a right to be treated as royalty as he was. He, he didn't feel as though it was something that they had to do. He was a servant until the end for a purpose. 
to complete and fulfill prophecy, to pay for sin, to be the proposed to, to be the propitiation for men. And when you want to think about how how rough you've got it and how terrible your life is and how mean people are to you and how you've been persecuted and un, unloved and, and everything that's just terrible in your life, think about Christ. He had every reason in the world to call a legion of angels. Well, it really only would have took one when you think about it. <laughs> Old Shanachrib found out about that. 185,000 of his troops died in a single day because of a single Angel, don't think that God is incapable of punishing sin if that's what he chose to do. Point number 10, the greatest help to self-denial is to retire from the creature into God and to live in the love of him and to employ the soul continually upon him. You know, it's really difficult for you to understand for me too. I'm not pointing fingers. It's difficult for us as human beings to understand that we are the created being, not the creator. Okay, you are a creature. Now, even the, the strongest atheist will tell you that, right? Go to any atheist, they'll tell you, well, gosh, you know, you're just a cosmic accident. You know, things that just happened to bumped into another and molecules and poof, here you are. And when you think about the, the greatest thing you can do to, to put yourself to, to, to mortify the flesh, the ego, the self inside of you, to put that all away and to be closer to God is to go ahead and just put it away. Take on your cross, die with Christ, and live in the love of him and employ the soul continually upon him. Think about all the things that you need to do to praise him, to worship him, to, to bring life and glory to his name. When you think about it, men will not be frightened by self-love. Right? Nobody's going to think about you know, all the repercussions of their evil deeds if they reflect on how they love themselves, well, gosh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a pedophile, so therefore I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not that bad of a guy or a gal or whatever. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a, I don't know, bank robber. <laughs> Pick your poison, right? I mean, whatever your particular sin is, all right. People will always point that out. They'll say, I'm not so bad as somebody else, and even the pedophile. Right? Even the pedophile in prison, the one who's done horrible things to children. He'll say, well, yeah, I know I'm a pedophile, but at least I'm not, you know, a murderer. Or I'm not, you know, such and such. We always do that. You know, and, and he accurately notices that men will not be frightened by self-love. It must be done by a more powerful love that draws them from it. You want to know why you can't stop your, your, your selfish ego, ego ways? You want to know why you're having trouble with that? I mean, yeah, I understand you're always going to be struggling with sin. You're always going to be fighting and this war continues until the day you're, you're, you're brought to glory. But if you want to really understand why you're having trouble, well, it's because you're trying to rely on your own self. You're trying to rely on your own love and you can't do that. Your own love is always going to look at you with a good view. 
But if you want to look the way God looks at you, if you want to look the way you truly are, you know, a mirror is good for looking at the way your body looks, right? If you want to, if you want to see how your hair looks, if you, I don't know, if you're getting a little gray like I am, right? If you want to see if you, how much gray you got today, well, looking in a mirror will tell you that. If you want to look and see how much sin you've got in your life and how dark and how wicked and how cruel and how unjust you really are, look in the mirror of God's word. You have to look at something that is more powerful than you. And don't begin to say to yourself, well, God's love is just going to forgive me and I don't have to worry about it. You know that's not true. You know that's not true. The only way God's love is going to forgive you is if your sin is, is, is paid for in Christ. Outside of that, you're left to pay for your own sin. And the only God you have to face then is the wrath of God. The only way you can possibly escape this selfish, egotistical love is to be drawn by a love that is greater than yourself, a love that requires justice, demands mercy. By, by, if, if your sins have been paid, then you, you, you have mercy obtained by, by the blood of Christ. Wrote down, nothing but the light of God will master self-conceitedness. And nothing but the love of God will overcome self-love. See, that's the biggest problem we have is self-love. We love ourselves too much. And if it's not our way, we'll get a divorce. We'll break our families. We won't talk to our kids. We won't talk to our parents. We'll do anything and everything just to preserve ourself. Right? And nothing but a union and closure with the will of God will overcome the self-will. And nothing but an espousing and intimating God and his interest will cause the true denial of carnal self-interest. Folks, listen. Nothing but going out and espousing the will of God and intending the will of God and following his interest is going to cause you to want to put yourself away and follow the will of him who called you. Nothing but seeking of God and conversing with him and living to him will cure the soul of self-seeking and ungodly and unprofitable living. You, you cannot free yourself. In yourself, you can do nothing. Right? And finally, point number 11. Always be jealous and suspicious of self. Oof. This is a very, very important point to remember, folks. And if you stuck with me this whole time, I really appreciate it. I would hope that if you found any value so far that you would share this with somebody. Point number 11, always be jealous and suspicious of self. Why? Well, because the odiousness, this, this, the smell of sin is selfishness. You want to know what smell sin smells like? You want to know what it's, the, 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 the reek, the rankness of sin? What does it really smell like? What, where is that smell? Where is it coming from? That's the smell of selfishness of, and, and ego. It's selfishness. Why? Because it generates all the other vices. If you really want to get down to the root issue, the, the core problem of, of why it is that, 
that you can't seem to overcome things and why you can't trust your heart and why yourself has got to be mortified and your ego has got to be put to death. Why is it? Well, it's because sin itself is basically selfishness. It generates all the other vices. Think about what other vices you have. Why do you have them? Why do you do them? Because you're selfish. You, oh, sure, you know, doing this or that might feel good. But at the end of the day, you do it because you think to yourself, well, gosh, my plan of handling this issue or this desire or this need or whatever it is you're trying to satisfy at the time is better than God's plan. Look, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know and that I don't already have suffered with myself. We're all being honest here. The odiousness of sin is selfishness. It generates all the other vices. It corrupts estates and it disturbs all affairs. You want to know why you're having problems with your kids? Want to know why you're having problems with your parents, your wife, your husband? Why you're having problems with other people at your job? It's because of selfishness. You think you're the only person that's got rights and that they don't and that everything that they've done is entirely their problem and and you have nothing to do with it. I know that's hard for you to accept. But never look further for the cause of your calamity than the self that causes them. At the root of this is yourself. How many times have have I gone out and done something and found myself, oh, I did it again. How do I keep falling for this? Well, why did I do that? I just, I'm a knucklehead. What's wrong with me? I'm the one who's the, 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 the constant in this issue. If you want to learn how to solve all those problems, understand that self denial is the antidote. Tell me what you think about today's episode. Again, it's the longer one and the next ones will be shorter, but I wanted to hit all this just to go through it. Now, next time, direction two, we're going to talk about the great mercy that sickness truly is. All right, guys, thank you so much for paying attention. If you like today's episode, hit me a thumbs up, give me a rate on uh, the, the rating people and pray for us as always, because that's really the, the way we're going to share this podcast is through the power of Christ. Thank you so much. And as always, have a wonderful, blessed day. Bye-bye.